<clears throat> Great to hear that song sung again, uh, Matt and everybody in the band. I remember that was one of the first songs that uh, we used in this service uh, several years ago, and it still rings with truth. Oh, yeah, I, got, I, I did this all the time. I forget to turn on my mic. Okay. Something else happened while I was just uh, singing, uh, trying to sing at least uh, today. I realized that uh, today, May 15th, 2016, it's the same Sunday in 1966 when I preached my first sermon at the first church that I served in Allerton, Illinois. And uh, it got overwhelming. So I think, I'm not thankful for the occasion that brought this about, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to uh, be able to bring God's word to you today because in this chaotic world, this is still sure. And this is still truth. And this is still God's way to lead us through uh, whatever, whatever the world brings. <clears throat> well, as many of you know, James has been uh, preaching through a series from Romans 8, entitled, and banners declare it, brand new, uh, following a God who makes all things new. First three messages demonstrated how God makes things new in our personal lives, gives us a new identity. And then in the middle of Romans 8, Paul turns from talking about a personal identity change to focusing on a cosmic change, that God is also bringing this creation, bringing it again to being brand new, to redeem it. And that leads us to a brand new hope then that we also have as Christians. In fact, I think as James mentioned, and this really stuck with me, we as Christians ought to have more hope than anybody else in the world because of our hope in Christ. Because of, as I said, whatever happens in a chaotic world, we can anticipate the redemption of our bodies as well when Christ returns. And then last week, the Apostle Paul took us back, and James did as well, to the personal level of talking about how God makes our prayer life brand new. So today we continue in that same vein to find yet another reason to give thanks to God for making all things new through Christ uh, by gaining new confidence in God's great love. I'm going to tell you a story about uh, Chippy the parakeet. Chippy the parakeet one day was just sitting on his perch, just kind of doing what he usually does, kind of singing a tune and, and uh, just being there, when uh, all of a sudden his owner decided she wanted to clean out the cage. So she brought her vacuum cleaner over, vacuum cleaner, and stuck the hose in there and started vacuuming up the bottom of the cage. The phone rang. Well, absentmindedly, she didn't turn off the vacuum. She went in, dealt with the phone call, came back, and sure enough, there was no chippy in the, in the cage. Frantically, she grabbed the vacuum cleaner, tore it open, maybe used a bat on it like this one did. Maybe. But anyway, she got it open, and there was Chippy. None the worse for wear, but still covered with dust and just seemingly in a glaze. And so she grabbed the bird, took him into the bathroom, put him under the faucet, and ran cold water over him to, to get the dirt off. And uh, then, realizing that that was making the bird cold and chilly, she grabbed her hairdryer, put it on high heat, and hair dry, or, you know, dried, uh, dried the chippy with the hairdryer. So here's this poor bird who was sucked up into a vacuum cleaner, down the tube into the dust, gets put under a faucet, and then is hair uh, blow dried uh, to try to bring him back to life. The lady was sharing with a friend later in the week about the incident. The friend says, well, how is Chippy? And she said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. 
He just kind of sits on his perch and stares. Well, maybe you felt like Chippy sometimes. Just going along, whistling, singing along in life, and all of a sudden, you're sucked into a black hole. Pain or discouragement or defeat. One moment you don't have a care in the world, and the next moment you're in adversity, you're in trial, you're in some problem, and it just looks dark all around. So where do you turn when you find yourself in that kind of dark day or even a dark season in your life when the song has just seemed seemingly sucked out of you? Well, some turn to self-help gurus who would convince you that what you need is to develop your self-confidence. Believe in yourself. Self-confidence is a superpower that can pull you out of any dark day. Build your self-esteem. Feel good about yourself. Be your own person. And while there's nothing wrong with having confidence that enables us to use the gifts God has given us, whether in the home or in, in at work or in, uh, in, serving, in serving in the church, relying on self-confidence to lift you out of the throes of trial and adversity will only last as long as you feel good about yourself. It has no stamina for the long haul. Other, uh, other people try to incorporate the power of positive thinking. They tell you, well, you just got to think positively. No matter what happens, there's going to, it's inevitable you're going to have these dark times. Just think positively. One blogger I found on the on computer put it this way. He said, it's easy to be cheerful when everything is going according to plan, but it is when you encounter unexpected setbacks and difficulties that you demonstrate to yourself and the world around you what kind of attitude you really have. Make sure that it is a positive one. Now again, there's nothing wrong with a, being a positive, optimistic person, but sometimes positive thinking only temporarily covers up feelings that really need to be faced and dealt with. Remember when I was in college, I attended a faith-based positive thinking seminar. And uh, we were told that we needed to get up every morning, look in the mirror, and say to ourselves, boy, do I feel great. We even had to get up in front of the whole class and practice that so we would be able to do it, you know, during the week on our own. Well, I left during the break. I didn't come back. Uh, because I had, I had at that time some feelings that I really needed to deal with. I didn't need something just to cover them up. So, yeah, there are shelves and shelves of self-help books, and there are all kinds of bloggers who have these solutions for you that are mostly centered around self, to deal with the dark days and the dark seasons when the song has been sucked out of your life. But in our text today, the Apostle Paul, from God's Word, gives us something more, something more lasting, something more solid than just cover-up, just putting a little makeup over it. It's found in Romans chapter 8, and those last few verses, part of which was read this morning, to see how we today can have new confidence in the love of God during the dark seasons of our life. So first, as we look at this text, I think we'll see that we can have confidence in God's love because the cross of Christ guarantees it. Look at verses 31 and 32. Paul writes, What then shall we say in response to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. 
The extent of God's love, I think, is magnificently depicted at the cross, where we see the love of God in action, where we see what he was willing to give for us, for our sins. Why do you think God would send his only son, Jesus, to come and live among us and then be beaten and mocked and impaled on a cross for our sins? There's only one possible answer to it, in my opinion, and that is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In his book, 316, The Numbers of Hope, Max Lucado says of this verse, John 316, a 26-word parade of hope, beginning with God, ending with life, and urging us to do the same. Brief enough to write on a napkin or memorize in a moment, yet solid enough to weather 2,000 years of storms and questions. If you know nothing of the Bible, start here. If you know everything in the Bible, return here. This, the verse is an alphabet of grace, a, tablet of, a table of contents to the Christian hope, each word a safe deposit box of jewels. Even though God is so much bigger than the entire universe, even though compared to him we are like tiny dust particles, he loves us in such a perfect, complete way as to be willing to sacrifice his one and only son. Four-year-old Ashton loved the Toy Story 2 movie, particularly the space ranger hero, Buzz Lightyear. And one day in Sunday school class, uh, the topic of the day was God's love and how God's love is, is so great. And uh, so at the conclusion of the lesson, the teacher asked the class, uh, now kids, how much does God love us? And Ashton lit up and raised up his hand and said, to infinity and beyond. He's right. God does love us in such a way that it, it's unending. And it's in such a way that he knows what we need. There's literally no, literally no place where God's love cannot reach us. No matter how dark the days, no matter how distant we might feel from God, our confidence in his love is sure. I began reading this week... Uh, book entitled A Step Further by Johnny Erickson Tata. Many of you know about Johnny's story at the age of 17. She dived out of a boat into a shallow lake one summer day, crushing her fourth and fifth vertebrae and, and uh, making her a quadriplegic, confining her to a wheelchair for the rest of her life. At first she wanted to die. As she tells it later, she would lie awake at night and try to jerk her head in such a way that she might break her neck. So that's the only way she could think of to take her own life. But she worked through that. About two years it took to work through that. And she knew, she began to see the sacrifice that God had made for her. So her confidence in God's love turned her dark season into an international ministry of speaking and singing and holding a pen in her mouth, writing and painting and encouraging others who are disabled. She once said in an interview with Larry King, and I quote, I'm just so grateful that there were no Jack Kevorkians around anxious to put three grams of phenobarbital in my veins. She had stated that she would, once stated that she would choose to remain in her wheelchair a paraplegic rather than out of the wheelchair without God in her life. Yes, we can have confidence in God's great love because the cross of Christ 
guarantees it. We can also have confidence in God's great love because his justice assures it. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The implied answer is no, nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ uh, that we have and God's justice assures it. I think Hebrews chapter 12 sheds some more light on this truth where the writer of Hebrews says, you have for, and he's writing to Christians who are under persecution. He says, you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not light, make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. When we find ourselves in those dark days of trouble or hardship or persecution or a loss or a combination of those, we can actually find encouragement because we are assured that God is at work in those days. His justice, which is experienced by us as discipline, is being worked out through those troubles. Yes, divine discipline can be painful, but God knows that in order for his children to grow more and more to the likeness of Christ, spiritual discipline is sometimes needed. I don't imagine, and it was true in the first service as well, there's probably no one anymore, very few people that make biscuits from scratch and are successful at it. But I'm told that the three primary ingredients in biscuits are salt and flour and shortening. Now, any one of those by themselves are certainly not delectable pieces of food. But <clears throat> you put them together in the, in the right amounts, blend them together, Put them in the oven at the right temperature for the right amount of time, and if you're successful, it comes out delicious biscuits. Trouble, hardship, persecution, danger, all of those are distasteful by themselves, and we try to avoid them. But when God, out of his great love and skill, can blend those together, and, and even though they might be placed in the oven of diversity, what comes out later down the line is an aha experience that says, yeah, I needed that. At that time in my life, I really needed that. Now, does that mean that every adversity that comes our way is related to some specific sin or spiritual defect? Absolutely not. We are God's children. And he deals with us, yes, on the basis of what we've done or not done, but he also deals with us because of who we are. And because we are his children... He is doing what is best for us. He is working in those dark times as a loving father disciplines those he loves. True discipline is not punishment. Punishment is retribution for misdeeds of the past. Discipline is the loving way that a heavenly father corrects our behavior so that the future will be better for us. In other words, the worst thing as a parallel that you can do as a parent would be to not correct your children. So you use something that may not particularly you like to use, but because you know it will protect them in the future, you discipline them. 
As former coach of the Dallas Cowboys football team, Tom Landry was reported as saying, the job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to be what they've always wanted to be. And sometimes that's painful. Sometimes God's discipline is intended to awaken us and make us more teachable. One thing I learned in teaching about 14 years in a Christian college was students who did the best were usually those students who recognized the importance of what was being taught. They were motivated to learn. And until we're convinced that we need what God has to teach us, we're not going to make much of an effort to listen to him in the dark days. As C.S. Lewis notes, God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to awaken a deaf world. It is tragic but true that only the plowshare of tragedy at times is able to turn over a deaf ear into a willing hearer. God's discipline must also be needed at times to bring about change in our lives. Most of us tend to avoid change whenever, it's po- uh, whenever possible because change is painful. When we're happy and trouble-free, things are going great and we forget about God. But when we suffer, when we experience heartache or loss or disappointment, then we're most likely to turn to him and there find the needed change in our lives. Robert Browning Hamilton summed it up best when he wrote, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way and left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and not a word, said she, but all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. We can have confidence in God's great love because the cross of Christ guarantees it and because the justice of God assures it. And we can also have confidence in God's great love because we will because God will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the promise we heard read earlier. Listen to it again for I, Paul says, am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, there is absolutely nothing in all this world or the next, in this time or in the times to come, in this dimension or any dimension, that can separate us from God's love. And why is that? Because he's the one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. God has promised that he will never leave us. Hebrews 13.5 is just one place that declares this, where the writer again of Hebrews says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, quote, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. preacher whose son was killed in an automobile accident says that when he learned that it happened, he got in his car, drove off, alone, screaming at God in anger, even at one point cursing God. And then he said he pulled off the side of the road, buried his head in his hands, and sobbed and sobbed, pleading for God's God's forgiveness. He said later, God didn't strike me dead, although I deserved it. He didn't curse me, although he could have. 
When the explosion of anger was over, God was still there. He was there to comfort. He was there to forgive. He was there to help him through that dark loss. When we know that God is faithful, when he, we know that he will never leave us or forsake us, that even when we're not faithful, he is, then we can endure any darkness. We can work through those dark days. We can work through those seasons with these practical steps. First of all, what, when this is happening around us, don't ask why. Instead of asking why me, ask why not me. Others have gone... I had to go through these dark days and dark seasons. Why not me? And some have had to go through it a lot longer than I have and much more intensely. The better question is what? What can God do in me? What can God do through me? What will God do to work in this trial for my good? David Ring was born with cerebral palsy. He was deprived of oxygen for 18 minutes at birth and never was able to talk right or walk straight. His father died when he was 11. His mother died three years later. As he talks about it later, he said he would often lay in his bed at night in suicidal depression, crying out, Why, God, why? Then one day he had one of those aha moments himself, and it just God seemed to be saying to him, David, don't ask why, ask what. And he began to move forward in his life. He graduated from college. He married a woman who was, he was told would never even go out on a date with him. He had four children and he entered a ministry as an international preacher and evangelist. And he said, when I get to heaven, I am going to ask God why. I'm going to ask him why he was so good to me. Secondly, you'll need to maintain your spiritual disciplines even when you don't feel like it. Keep going through the motions until your emotions catch up. Be faithful in corporate worship. Continue to read God's word daily. Pray. Allow God's light to be brought to you during those times of prayer. Watch out for carnal pleasures as an escape from the emotional pain because that will only compound your guilt and your loss. Be careful not to depend on chemical substances for that short-term relief. Invest yourself in helping others. Take the focus off yourself. There will be times when you won't feel like doing any of those things, but dark days and dark seasons are not the time to let your emotions control you. Thirdly, face reality. Your battle with cancer may take months or more. Your Mother's Alzheimer's won't get any better. Your child's learning disability may be something you'll have to deal with for a lifetime. Your husband's depression may take a long time to overcome. Face, re face the reality, not cover it up. In his book, Good to, a Good to Great, Jim Collins tells the story of Admiral Jim Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war during the, for eight years during the height of the Vietnam War. He was tortured over 20 times in that eight-year period. But he never lost that confidence that he was going to get out somehow. He, 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 and he did. He did get out. He did come home. He became a national hero. 
And he said later, he never doubted that he would get out and that he would prevail in the end, turning the experience into the defining event of his life. And he adds, this is an important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever that may be. So you don't try to cover up the reality he's saying. You've got to face that reality and you face it with the courage that God provides. And finally, anticipate your reward. For those who suffer and remain faithful, there is a promise of a reward in heaven. Now that's not just by and by talk. That's real talk. That's a promise that God has given. Hebrews chapter 10. Again, the writer of Hebrews writing to people in persecution says, You stood your ground in the face of suffering because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And that promise is backed up by God's word. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The reward is real. So when you find yourself in the throes of a dark day or a dark season of your life, remember that when you became a new creature in Christ, as a gift, you are given the new confidence in God's great love. That in fact it is in the darkness that God can make you more like Christ. And while you might think that nothing good happens at night, I mean that's when dogs get run over and people get mugged and cars get stolen. But something good does happen in the dark when God is doing the work. Conforming you to the radiant image of his own son. Even though you can't see it at the time or understand it at the time, that's what he's all about. I understand that most artists like lots of light in their studios. They like big windows, even the skylight above or... Artificial light shining on what they're painting or what they're carving or shaping. Yet our Heavenly Father creates his masterpieces sometimes in the dark. Your life is the canvas. The paint is your pain. The brushes are your trials. And while the portrait is of you, it's beginning to look more and more like Jesus. And remember these words of Paul to the Philippian church about confidence. Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Be confident in this. Matt and the band, will you come forward and lead us in our closing song today and be reminded again of God's faithfulness and uh, the fact that he's there in the dark times, always. And with just sticking with what you know to be true and sticking with a God you know has given you the promise of help and the promise of the reward and the promise of working through. Yes, it takes time. Yes, there's pain. But God is faithful. Never forget it.
We're going to sing this song and uh, be reminded of that. Perhaps someone is going through some dark days right now and you just need to take this time to say, Lord, hold me up. Shape me as you need to shape me, but hold me up while you're doing it. Perhaps someone needs to make a public decision for Christ today. You've been convicted through his word and the witness of others and uh, need to begin a new walk with him. Whatever that may be for you, we invite you to share that with us as we stand and sing.